everybody, welcome to the first episode of Access Blockbuster Pod. My name is Chris, and uh, yeah, wherever you're listening from, and however you found this podcast, it's uh, really glad that you're listening, and really glad that, uh, well, I'm not the only one here talking to myself about movies, which I am, I guess I am talking to myself, but at any rate, um, yeah, welcome to the first episode. Um, you know, to be honest, I don't really know what this is going to turn into. Um, this is really really just going to be a passion project for me. Um, but yeah, I, you know, I love movies and I, I thought podcasting would be just a really fun platform, I guess, for me to, you know, express my thoughts on current things, current issues in movies. And, uh, yeah, hopefully, you know, hopefully we'll be able to get on some guests here, uh, and make it, you know, more interactive and all that. But for now, um, yeah, it'll just be me here talking for a little while, and hopefully you enjoy, and hopefully this is something that uh, you'll continue to listen to. So I kind of wanted to start out, especially the first episode, and especially with this being such a recent topic, I wanted to start out by talking about Star Wars, and kind of where we're at, you know, with Star Wars, and also where we're going, and what, um, specifically what The Rise of Skywalker and The Mandalorian have done for this franchise. And what's kind of crazy is that in 2019, right, turning to 2020, um, we've been on this crazy four-year, five-year, six-year ride with Star Wars and kind of the resurgence of Star Wars after being bought by Disney uh, 2013-14, you know, somewhere along those lines. And it's, it's kind of crazy to think, like, after the prequels and after, you know, the mixed to negative reception that the prequels got and you know we'll kind of get into that in a little bit but just kind of thinking back on that mixed to negative reception that the prequels got it's kind of crazy to think that you know after 2005 after revenge of the sith came out we thought star wars was done i mean you know dave filoni came on and he did the clone wars and while the movie wasn't that successful obviously uh the tv show the tv show came out and it was a huge hit I personally love the Clone Wars, I think. I think the Clone Wars is kind of the embodiment of the prequels that we never got, uh, especially in terms of the relationship between Obi-Wan and Anakin. Um, At any rate, though, you know, 1977, right, when the original Star Wars came out, George Lucas didn't really have a plan. Like, I think the original film was called The Star Wars or just Star Wars. And, you know, he... I mean, he obviously came up with plans for sequels later. Um, But at the time, in 1977, when the first film came out, it was just supposed to be a one-off film about, you know, some heroes in space, you know, Han, Luke, Leia, against that evil empire, blowing the Death Star, all that good stuff, right? Um, But as, you know, as it turns out, I mean, there were reports that Lucas had plans. He had his own plans for um, 1, 2, and 3, which came to fruition, right, 1999 with The Phantom Menace, leading up to 2005's Revenge of the Sith, um, but he also actually did have plans for a sequel trilogy, which is kind of crazy to think about. You know, we could be living in a world, and and some people would argue, for the better, and, you know, that's that's up for debate, but, you know, these seven, eight, nine films, however you feel about them, they there is an alternate world where they were created and directed by George Lucas, and I think it's been well documented too. George Lucas kind of spoke on this after he sold Disney to Lucasfilm. He gave Lucasfilm treatments and Disney of his of his you know seven, eight, and nine. 
And I think it's been pretty pretty well documented as well that Disney didn't want to work with them. Disney didn't want anything to do with them. And I kind of think, you know, and, and on one hand, after the prequel trilogy, which was received pretty negatively by fans, and again, regardless of whether or not you, you enjoyed them or not, but they were not held in the highest regard. Um, and and I think on no fault, you know, none of, none. I, I don't think this was Disney's fault per se of wanting to move in a new direction with, with Star Wars because I think it was pretty clear that, you know, Star Wars is such a huge IP and, and there was a desire for Disney... Um, and Lucasfilm to create more movies, but move in a different direction. And, you know, I don't really blame them um, for kind of moving away from George Lucas's original vision of 7, 8, and 9. At the same time, you know, and we'll talk after episode 9, you know, I go into to my thoughts on episode 9. At the same time, it's kind of curious to think about what, what they would have been. Um, but at any rate, you know, here we are, 2019, 2020, and The Rise of Skywalker has come out. We finished the trilogy, a couple of spinoffs along the way, TV shows, um, Rebels, what's been going on, and obviously The Mandalorian. Um, and I think Rise of Skywalker and The Mandalorian are kind of the two biggest indicators of where we're at in terms of Star Wars right now. And... I guess I guess we can I guess the best place to start would be with episode nine, and so I kind of wanted to you know give my thoughts on the film, kind of kind of dissect it and go into what I thought, some of the good things were, some of the problems were, and, and kind of what that means, and then we'll go into uh, spoilers. So I'll clearly indicate when the spoilers are going to start. But as for right now, we're going to start start off with non spoilers. Um, we'll move into spoilers, and then we'll start talking a little bit about the Mandalorian and kind of talk about Star Wars in general. Um, and so, you know, to start off, I think the most interesting thing about The Rise of Skywalker, uh, and, and this is kind of more on the, like, the objective side, because, you know, movies being art, we all see them differently, right? We all see, you know, we can see the same film, um, but it, it won't necessarily be the same to all of us. And what I think is interesting, though, is that that subjectivity in the masses of all the people going on to see these Star Wars films is reflected in some numbers, some critical numbers. So, Rise of Skywalker opened on December 20th, officially, and over that weekend, its opening weekend, it made $177 million. And that, I mean, first of all, um, you can't understate how big that number is, right? Because that number in itself is huge. It's one of the biggest opening weekends of all time in, in cinema history, and I don't think we can take that for granted. At the same time, I think it's important to look at it in the context of the other Star Wars films in this Disney trilogy. And so if we look, The Last Jedi made $220 million opening weekend, and The Force Awakens made $247 million opening weekend. And that's not to say that necessarily this whole rise of skywalker opening low that's it's not necessarily saying that that's a bad thing um at the same time though if we look at the the overall totals that ended up you know coming out 
Rise of Skywalker, or excuse me, Force Awakens came out and made two billion. It crushed it at the box office. And I mean, that's not to say that Last Jedi did bad. I mean, I just you know, I don't think that we could have replicated that hype for Force Awakens like Star Wars is back and everything. And so, so the Last Jedi comes out and makes one point three billion dollars. It's still a crazy high amount, but it's nowhere close. And then we see the Rise of Skywalker come out and make you know, for almost $40 million, over $40 million less opening weekend than The Last Jedi. Although, as as of right now, recording this in uh, late December, um, it does look like The Rise of Skywalker is actually catching up to The Last Jedi, and so that that is interesting to see. But at the same time, you know, you have to look at the diminishing returns. And, I mean, there are a couple ways to look at this. One And one way, you know, more positively, I think, is, is interesting is in, in that... The original trilogy kind of underwent that same law of diminishing returns to where, you know, the first one opened the biggest empire and then Jedi and, and you know, all three of those films argued they're great. Um, I think the vast majority of people would agree with that. Um, and so it's kind of interesting to note that that these trilogies are, are kind of heading in the same direction. And I think, I, th- I believe the prequels went in a similar direction. I know Phantom Menace made a billion dollars. I don't think the other prequels did. I could be wrong about that, um, but regardless, you know, there's that. So I think those numbers speak for themselves. I think one of the other fascinating statistics regarding these new uh, Star Wars films is the Rotten Tomato score, and I kind of want to preface that by saying Rotten Tomatoes, as it stands, I think it's being it's it's misread a lot of the times because a film that has I don't know, say like 80% on Rotten Tomatoes versus a film that has like 50% on Rotten Tomatoes. In terms of pure quality, like the same person can look at those two films and consider them fairly close in quality. The 50%, I think, just indicates that about half the people liked it, and it doesn't necessarily specify to what degree, right? Like if if that 80% means that, you know, 8 out of 10 people thought it was okay, right, then we would swing positive and it would, you know, we go to 80%. Versus like a 20% where 8 out of 10 critics thought it was okay, but it swung to the negative side. And so like an 80% and a 50% and a 20%, like there's not always, always, and, and, and sometimes there is, but there's not always a lot separating those three. Um... And so what's interesting, so so Rotten Tomatoes has a critic score and it has an audience score. And critic score is obviously, you know, the the paid reviewers, not the paid reviewers, they don't they're not paid by um the studios, but like the people who are paid to go and see and review these movies, and then the audience score, which is people who are verified to have seen the film and you know just rate the film based on what they what they thought. So if you look at Rise of Skywalker, um it just came out the critic score is about 55% compared to The Last Jedi, which is actually, for as divisive as it was, it's 91% with the critics. So, like, 9 out of 10 um, of every, cri- every critic, you know, they, they love the film. They like the film, at least. But then what's interesting to note is the audience score is completely flipped, with Rise of Skywalker being at 86% and The Last Jedi being at 43%. And so there's like this clear divide between 
what the fans are seeing and what the critics are seeing. Um, to to kind of give a little bit of background as to you know where the state of things are because after Force Awakens, which was pretty unanimously liked, I I would wager to say that um, a lot of the people who saw the Force Awakens they enjoyed the film, right? Like I think I think that's fair to say. Um, may not have been the most innovative film, may not have been the most original film, and I and I, and rewatching it recently, I think it's very clear that. J.J. Abrams was taking a lot of cues from A New Hope, and by a lot, I think almost everything. It from down to the you know A New Death Star, right? But regardless, it was you know Star Wars is back, and here we are with the new trilogy. And so, it's really interesting to see that after the Last Jedi split the fans, it looks like, but not the critics. But then the Rise of Skywalker split, you know, the critics, and then I guess the fans kind of you know, came together and, and liked the film, but there's still this divide between all of them. So that's kind of, that's kind of a little bit of where we're at right now. Um, and I guess this is kind of where I want to jump in with my personal thoughts about the film. So we're going to go non-spoilers for right now, and I will, uh, you know, be very explicit and let you guys know when we will be diving into spoilers. So, you know, if you haven't seen the film, um, I'm going to do my best to not spoil anything, and I, I'm fairly confident that I won't. Um, and so the one thing that a lot of critics have touched on that I've read at least, or I've seen is the plot. And they've said the plot is a complete mess. And to their, to their credit and to their point, I would, I, I would have to agree. I wouldn't say the plot is a disaster. I think that characters have clear motives. Um, and I think that there is enough there to push the plot forward, if that makes sense. So, like, there are things that the characters are doing that kind of warrant the movie to be to, to continue pushing forward. And, and in that regard, I think there is a plot. However, that plot is not executed very well. We jump from place to place, and the characters, you know, have to do this and have to do that, and then they all end up here, and they all end up there, and then, oh, you know often doing this and often doing that and it's a lot of, it's a lot of that so the first time and i've only seen the film once um but that that first time that i saw it i was kind of wrapped up in the plot admittedly i was kind of wrapped up in like oh okay this is where the film's going that's cool um but i i didn't really have time to stop and think about well that doesn't that doesn't quite you know, it doesn't make sense. There are a couple moments in the film, and we'll get into spoilers of like, oh, like that, that happens. Like, why does that happen? Why does that need to happen? That doesn't make any sense that that's there, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but at any rate, yeah, the plot itself, I, I just, I think the plot suffers a lot. And, and I'll touch on this towards the end of, you know, my thoughts. But the plot suffers from JJ having to satisfy a lot of different people, um, where, you know, The Last Jedi kind of threw caution to the wind and just said, I'm, Ryan Johnson said, I'm going to make my own movie. JJ Abrams, I think, really feels the need to, to please and unite these Star Wars fans that are so divided. Um, and, and he tries his very best. I won't, I don't know, um, if it worked for me necessarily yet. I have to kind of think about it a little more. He he tried to de- deliver a mu- uh, an experience a movie 
that wasn't necessarily displeasing to anybody um, while having some clearly messy and displeasing moments. But he was trying to create an overall experience. And I think I think it suffers a lot also from having to set things up. Um, and we'll, we'll kind of get back into, I, I keep saying that, but you know, I will, I will kind of tie everything together towards the end of the non-spoiler section. Um, but at any rate, you know, there's that. Another thing that this film kind of differentiates, differentiates itself from JJ's other Star Wars film, The Force Awakens, is the action. And I think this is, this is mostly a strength of the film. I honestly believe that, I mean, A, the film is gorgeous to look at. I think from a cinematography cinematography perspective and just the way the camera works and, and moves. And I think, I think it's a gorgeous film to look at for the most part. Um, and, and, you know, Star Wars films are usually on various locations. And I think while JJ could have picked some more interesting places, there are a couple of neat places that, you know, our characters go here and there and, and everywhere. And, and I think it's, I think it's good. And, um, and so with that said, the, the action that follows at each of the locations, because it's almost like the characters move to a location and then there's just a fight scene and they have to leave. Um, and for what that's worth, I think the action's pretty good. I think it's pretty good. It's, it's moving at a breakneck speed and a lot of people have touched on that, but it's, it's engaging. And I think John Williams score, which is again, you know, with like, not having to even say that it's it's brilliant as usual um the action's moving at such a quick pace and it's shot well and it feels enough like star wars to where you kind of just go along with it and i i think even the people who don't like the film can kind of look at the individual action sequences and think yeah like that's star wars you know it it nothing in this film feels like that is Star Wars, except for one one scene. There's one scene in particular that I thought that that is Star Wars. But at any rate, but it feels Star Wars enough, especially in the action, that I thought, okay, like this film is taking me somewhere, and for what it's worth, I can appreciate that. What I really want to touch on, though, and spend the majority of the time talking about, is the characters. I think the characters are a big mixed bag. I think that there are a lot of positives to look at here. I think there are more positives than negative, in my personal opinion. Um, and and so just going quickly character by character, I think if we start off with Rey, who is essentially our, our Luke, right, of this trilogy, or Anakin, um, she's, you know, she's been the main protagonist. And I think in Last Jedi... Um, she was the protagonist for like the first three fourths of the movie, and then they kind of, for like you know, kind of lost something for her to do. Like they didn't know Ryan Johnson didn't quite know what to do, so she just kind of flew the Falcon around for the the rest of the film. But at any rate, um, she is very clearly the protagonist of this film, and I think that works to its credit because I think Daisy Ridley has a you know she's she's grown a lot as an actress from The Force Awakens, and I think while there are some key choices made with the character that maybe I didn't agree with or I didn't like. Daisy Ridley performs, you know, the character to the best of her ability. And she's able to bring out, I think, a more subtle side of Rey. Maybe there, there are some scenes where I can kind of feel like, oh, yeah, 
totally, I, I get what you're going for. And there are some scenes where I'm like, okay, it's a little over the top. But at any rate, um, this film also, and this is not really a spoiler, this is kind of just setting up the film. Um, the the main trio, so we have, you know, we had Han, Luke, and Leia, we had Obi-Wan, Anakin. The main trio, quote-unquote, um, of Ray, Finn, and Poe, who really haven't been together until the, like the last shot of the, the Last Jedi, are together a lot more in this film. And I think that is a huge strength. I think um, John Boyega and Oscar Isaac, they work great together. Um, they really have some good lines. They don't have some good lines in some places, but for the most part, they, you know, they really work well together. And I think that's a huge credit to just keeping the characters together in the writing and in kind of the motion of the story. Um, there are some places though, where I kind of thought, oh, like, cause I guess the complaint, although I didn't hear it that much for The Last Jedi, but you know, some people were saying, oh, our three main characters are barely together. Like what's going on? You know, we haven't even seen them together. And so at some points in this film, it kind of felt like JJ was shoehorning the three characters together in, in places that they really didn't need to be. But for the most part, I thought it worked. I thought those three were a strength of the film. And I think they carry the film for the most part. You know, there are a lot of um, elements of story that I maybe didn't like. And there are a lot of story elements of, you know, other things like rushing things and pacing that I maybe didn't like. But as for the characters, those three worked. Um, let's move on to Leia. And I think Leia is going to be interesting. Um, you know, to give a little context for those of you who don't know, um, Carrie Fisher plays Princess Leia, who played Princess Leia in episodes four, five, and six, like almost 40 years ago. Uh, she passed away, I think, towards the end of filming for The Last Jedi. And that obviously was a huge complication, right? That was, I mean, they had, I think they had already finished filming Leia's scenes in The Last Jedi, and so that wasn't a huge deal. Um, but for the rise of Skywalker, that was going to be a big problem. Like, how are we going to deal with the character if the character doesn't die in The Last Jedi? Last Jedi comes out, and she's alive. She's there at the end on the Falcon, and we're moving on to episode nine. No idea what to do. And so there are a few ways you could have gone with that, right? Like, JJ could have, you know, done a CGI character. He could have, um, recast, which a lot of people were saying is an option, uh, if you get an actress who looks and, and acts like Princess Leia enough and you, because episode nine was allegedly going to be her story, you know, you could, you could make that work. There, there are, there are scenarios where all three could have worked. I think the CGI is the least likely to have worked well, but they didn't go with that at any rate, um, because they decided to use reused footage from The Force Awakens to recreate a performance out of Leia. And so, you know... Out of those solutions, and out of all the possible solutions, I think that is one of the most respectful, and I think that's one of the most like considerate, if that makes sense, to to Carrie Fisher and to kind of the integrity of the performance. I think that speaks a lot to JJ's respect for the character and and Lucasfilm's dedication to to bringing this character home. Right. Um, what I will say is this. I mean, first of all, 
the fact that they tried and the fact that like it, it's even remotely decent, I think is a win. And I think this is such a sensitive topic that, you know, objectively I can judge the film and, and all that and, and say some things, but overall, I think that's a win. It's a big win. Um, at the same time, there are some scenes that clearly don't translate well. There's one scene in particular where she's talking Princess Leia to it to another person, and it just it just doesn't work because it's clear that they ran out of dialogue for the character, and that's fine because at the end of the day, I think you know we got a Princess Leia, and perhaps the storyline wasn't quite as what you know quite as good as we had hoped if if Carrie Fisher the late great Carrie Fisher was still with us um but it 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 was what it was and they were able to kind of wrangle a performance out of unused footage and that's that's okay uh and so on that front I think you know JJ and Lucasfilm did what they could recasting I mean, we can get into a whole debate about recasting and whether or not they should have just brought another actress. Or there are there are even those who think CGI. Um, I'm of the camp of after having seen the film, obviously hindsight. I'm of the mind of if they got a good enough actress, I think recasting might have worked a little better. But what they gave us was good, and so I'm not going to complain about that, ad nauseum at least. Um, let's talk about the big the big surprise that we we all we all knew entering the rise of skywalker so again if you don't know anything about the movie this this is considered a, a spoiler but it's in all the trailers and most of the people know uh the emperor is back emperor palpatine is back in some way shape or form i won't go into how or why or where or when or how much but the emperor is back in some capacity it did not work and, and this is just my opinion um it really didn't work. And I don't fault JJ for the most part. He made a couple weird choices with the character. Um, and he did a couple things that I think will not make a lot of people happy. And 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 those are things that I, I do fault him for. I think I think he could have done a better job of it's it's really hard for me to kind of talk about this character without spoiling anything, but there are, there are a couple of things, there are a few things that he could have done a lot better. A, a lot of other things, though, I don't think are his fault. I think it's it's the part of the product of coming into a film that he really didn't like the direction of the franchise, right? Because of The Last Jedi, it's, it's very clear in some moments that he didn't want to do a lot of the things that Ryan Johnson wanted to do and did. Um, and there are a lot of moments actually in the film. So there are, there are a lot of, um, just going briefly, you know, on a, on a side note, um, there are a lot of moments in the film that it's, it's pretty obvious that JJ Abrams said, I didn't like that to Ryan Johnson. And he, he doesn't make it explicitly known, but he kind of maneuvers around the fact or ignores the fact that he did a couple things and we just move on. And from a continuity, continuity perspective, it's, frustrating from a story perspective within this own film you just got to move past it there's there's you know you can't get held up on on certain things but there are other things that i think he was very respectful of ryan johnson and i think it was very respectful of one one particular thing 
um, that Ryan Johnson did in The Last Jedi. And he, and he, he kind of accentuates that in The Rise of Skywalker. But anyways, going back to the Emperor, the Emperor's presence being in this movie at all was one of those things that it was like, okay, clearly I didn't like what Ryan Johnson was doing. Here's the Emperor. Go with it. And it was kind of hard to go with it. It's just, honestly, it was kind of hard to go with it. But um, to kind of wrap up the characters really quick, because there are other couple side characters, but anyways, you know, I don't want to give too much away and, and I don't want to talk for, you know, too long about all of this. Um, but I think Kylo Ren, uh, Adam Driver's character, I think the clear standout of the film. I think Adam Driver was not necessarily given the best material all the time. In fact, I think there are a lot of scenes that he wasn't giving good material at all, at, at all. But for what he was given, Adam Driver acted the heck out of the role. And he did everything in his power to make the character as relatable and as, um, not relatable, what's the word? Like as human, yeah, that's a better word, as human as possible. He was really channeling, like, I don't know, there was just a, there was just a relatability in the sense of, like, he was just being human and being emotional and being raw a, a lot of the time. Um, and you could tell just by his body acting, like, what he was feeling at a certain moment. And I think that just speaks to his acting, uh, Adam Driver's acting ability. It's just, it was just amazing. Again, though, just to quickly wrap up the, the non-spoiler section of this this podcast i think this episode i think um what this film suffers from is a lack of direction in the franchise and i think that if jj abrams had set up a lot of the things he wanted to do in episode nine this this film would be a lot better but the fact is that he was handed in episode eight that i don't think he 100% 100% agreed with. I, I know I know for a fact he didn't 100% agree with it, no matter what he says, because there are just certain decisions that he makes that don't work well with episode eight. And so I think that had J.J. Abrams decided to just go with episode eight, or if J.J. Abrams had, in, had himself directed episode eight, we would be standing here having a much different conversation of the film. As it is, the plot's a mess, and it's because it just feels overburdened. It it moves so quickly. It moves at a breakneck speed. Um, and so that kind of distracts you. But he makes... J.J. Abrams makes some odd choices with the characters. Most of the characters are great. Some not so. And so we come out... I came out of The Rise of Skywalker saying, you know, it was it was all right. I mean, it, it had enough Star wars E kind of moments but it didn't quite land the way I had hoped. Um, and so now we're going to transition to spoilers. I'm going to I'm gonna give you a few seconds if you want to click off now or you want to scroll ahead. Um, and we're going we're gonna to jump into spoilers. So in a couple seconds, we will be right back. All right, and we're back. Um, so now we're going to jump into spoilers for Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker. And again, I want to emphasize, if you're here and you haven't seen the movie, um, just be warned that we're going to be talking about heavy, heavy spoilers, massive spoilers, massive reveals, things that went on 
throughout the film. So again, this is your final warning. Um, and so I think it's only natural that we jump into the biggest twist of the film. And I think the biggest twist of the entire trilogy, which is Raise a Palpatine. And it's actually, it's revealed fairly early on. I think about the halfway point when uh, Rey and Kylo are on his ship. And uh, Kylo and Rey kind of, they're fighting and they're talking through that force projection thing that was uh, established in The Last Jedi. And Kylo Ren kind of abruptly reveals, no, Palpatine told me that you are his granddaughter. And, you know, looking at this twist on its own merit and looking at what this means for Star Wars, it's fine. I think this twist works in a certain sense that it kind of, you know, George Lucas said about his prequels and his original trilogy that there's a certain poetic, like there's a certain poetry, uh, symmetry about them. And I think this is really interesting that, you know, you have the Palpatine as as the quote-unquote good guy and the Skywalker as the bad guy. I think there's there's a certain poetry about that. It's kind of inverting the, the symmetry uh, that George Lucas had, had, had established um, in, his, in his six films. And so I, I think that that kind of pays respect to that in that regard. But I came out of the film kind of thinking, because when, when Kylo Ren first reveals this to Rey, I remember kind of wondering, why don't I have a reaction to this? Because when Kylo Ren says, you're, you're a Palpatine, I just sat there and I said, okay, cool. you know, okay, that's cool. And uh, we went along, you know, there was nothing else to really contemplate. It was just, all right, she's a Palpatine, let's move on. And I kind of thought after the film, I was thinking back to after episode seven, when the questions about what Rey really, like who she was and where she came from, those were really, really uh, pressing questions that fans had. And then Ryan Johnson said, no, you know, I think, I think Rey's a nobody. And I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, say that Rey's a nobody. And at that point, while a lot of us may have been disappointed and I, I mean, I'm not going to lie. Initially I was disappointed, but later on I kind of, you know, caught on to that idea and I thought, yeah, that's no, that's interesting. And I said, all right, let's, let's ride this out. You know, let's, let's, let's just see how this goes and, and raise a nobody. Cool. But then JJ Abrams comes back and says, no, you're a Palpatine. And I kind of thought, you know, if this was revealed in episode eight, after kind of the burning questions that we had after episode seven, I think I, I think we would all have been a lot more satisfied with that answer. And then it would have allowed for us to kind of develop and marinate on that. And uh, going into episode nine, then we could, you know, kind of discuss the, the return of Palpatine. And, and that would have felt a lot better. Um, but as it was kind of shoehorned in episode nine, kind of out of nowhere, it just, it just didn't land. And, and that has a lot to do with the aforementioned lack of direction of this trilogy. Because... If this trilogy had been planned, you know, I don't think this would have been a problem. These kinds of things would have been set up in the previous episodes of, okay, you know, maybe you hint at Rey being a dark side user. She is, she was a Palpatine all along, blah, blah, blah. I, this, this really felt like a course correction. This really, really felt like they were just trying to say she's somebody important. And J.J. Abrams gave this explanation of, Oh, you know, it's 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 one thing. It's devastating to be nobody when you think you're somebody, but then it's also even more devastating to be the worst from the worst lineage in the galaxy, you know, and then have to fight against that. And I thought, okay, that's that's a fine explanation. I just wish it wasn't 
shoehorned in episode nine. Um, and so there's that. Uh, another thing that I thought was kind of jarring was all the fakeouts in this movie. There are a lot of them. Um, you know, kind of going through a couple of them really quickly. The, the notable one was Chewbacca, Chewie. Um, when he, when that transport ship exploded, and by the way, that was a, you know, that was a cool scene, I thought, uh, when Ray used the force, the force lightning or whatever that was, I thought that was cool, you know? Um, but when that transport exploded, I was like, I thought for sure Chewbacca was dead. And that really threw me off guard because it was so abrupt and, and so unceremonious that right after that, I, right after my initial reaction, I went, no, he's not dead. And sure enough, he shows up like 10 minutes later. Okay, that you know that's that's fine, and and I and I can I can work with with something like that. I just thought kind of the the pacing, uh, it it didn't work, and I think this this also ties into a lot of the missed explanations that this movie didn't choose to give us, because I think J J Abrams, throughout this film, there are a lot of moments where he he kind of goes gotcha, you know, he kind of he kind of like reels the fan in and he says gotcha I you know I you didn't expect that probably and you know shock for the sake of shock is fine it should it was just done too much for example the movie opens with a really interesting scene I think this is one of the best scenes in the movie um with Kylo Ren just blasting through and, and slicing uh through some some villagers or whoever fighters or marauders or whoever they were and and apparently you know fun fact that was actually Mustafar um I wish it was the actual lava planet. That would have been kind of cool to see, because um, Mustafar is actually my personal favorite planet in the Star Wars universe. Um, but regardless, you know that was cool, and you know the way like the the anger and the the motivation and the passion in Ad- Adam Driver's performance. I thought it was it was good. It was really good. Um, and then we we head to Exegol, which which the design for the planet. So again, this movie was beautifully shot. It, it was beautifully shot. Um, but we head to Exegol and and we see Palpatine, and it's really, really odd to me that you bring back Palpatine, and everybody wanted to know how, why that was kind of the big thing, and he just sits there and says, "I'm back." You know, the dark side of the Force is a pathway to many abilities some would consider unnatural, and that's it. Accept that I'm here. Let's move on. And you know what? In the grand scheme of things, it it was okay. You know, the fact that, alright, you didn't want to give us an explanation, fine. Here's Palpatine, let's roll with it, fine. Um, but then again, there's this kind of a thing of, like, you're going to bring back this character with no explanations, and you're going to explain it away in probably some TV show or some, you know, comic book or some book or something, and that was just disappointing. How about the return of Anakin's lightsaber that was busted in half... And a really great scene in The Last Jedi. Um, and it was, you know, it was. it's just, it's back. Like, how does that happen? Um, another thing is kind of, I think, I think Lando, I, not, not a lot of people that I saw noticed this really or really talked about it, but Lando kind of came out of nowhere. He was on Pasana for some reason and he, he just came out of nowhere. How about when they fell in the sinkhole on uh, Pasana and they magically come across a dagger, like, these kinds of things, um, and I think one of the biggest ones was at the end, when, um, Palpatine says, oh, you know, I'm gonna, uh, what is it, if you strike me down, then all the Sith are gonna be in you, and then she kills him later, I mean, 
she doesn't like explicitly stab him, which I think was implied that's how, but she kills him and nothing really happens. How about Kylo Ren dying like twice and coming back, you know? How about Rey actually dying? Like physically, I think she was dead in that moment and then coming back to life. See, these kinds of things are what gives this movie a lack of tone and a lack of a, a lack of a sense of purpose because this really felt like J.J. Abrams said, I want to put a bow on everything. Let's make it happen. And he just kind of tied tied everything, especially with the last shot of the film with the twin sons. It was a beautiful shot. It just, it didn't feel warranted. You know, it, it really didn't feel warranted um, with everything that had been set up previously and just kind of the way the story was moving. Um, but I've been, you know, I've been harping on a lot of things that I didn't like. There, there are... A lot of things I do like. I first of all, the action in this film um, is is great. It's breathtaking. It's very well shot. Um, it's intense, and I think I think for what it's worth, the film has some of the better action in the Star Wars universe. I think the battle on Exegol, well, yeah, you know, like giant cannons on the underneath star destroyers that are basically Death Stars again. That's that's not great, but. Um, Kind of the the squadron of X wings, you know, like the last group of the last battalion, kind of going in at, at those huge star destroyers. There's something cool about that, and I've heard a lot of people kind of mention Endgame and how this film kind of compares to Endgame of like, oh, I am Iron Man, I am all the Sith, I am all the Jedi, um, and also when Poe says we're done and all the all the fighters come in, you know, I can I can see that. Um, again, it wasn't it, it wasn't something that bothered me. Um, necessarily it was really more of just it's just a trope you know you want kind of the heroes to be on their last legs before the final triumphant push and i think that's that's kind of that's been used in a lot of movies and a lot of films and so that didn't necessarily bother me i thought the dynamic between having poe finn and ray together um was great i think there are a couple lines like for example when when poe and finn are kind of having this conversation on uh the Death Star, the the Moon of Endor, um, and they're kind of like saying, "Oh, you know, like you're you're not General A or whatever." That that felt really shoehorned. But other than that, they had some great chemistry. The opening scene where they're together playing a uh, hollow chess with Chewbacca that was great, um, and they had some really good lines together. I thought, and I didn't want to mention this in the non spoiler part, but I saw I thought C three P was awesome. For the most part, I thought there were a couple things that, you know, a couple points where he was his annoying self and he didn't have an R2-D2 to really counter him, which is kind of what the original Star Wars had going for it, the original trilogy, because in this in this trilogy, he's kind of just saying like, oh, nobody cares about me and everyone just kind of, kind of ignores him and you don't know whether to laugh, you don't know whether to feel bad for him, you don't know whether to be annoyed. So those were some, you know, odd things, but, but the storyline of him having the Sith, you know, imprinted in him, and also, and also Babu Frick, that was, was awesome, um, he was, he was great, um, it was great, um, some of the supporting characters, I just, I wish they were there the whole trilogy, like, by the time, and, and this is one thing that George Lucas did really well, by the time we got to Revenge of the Sith, you weren't really introducing new, I mean, he introduced Grievous, and I, and even that, I think, was one of the weirdest, like, last minute additions when you watch star wars the clone wars 
Um, it really fills in kind of a lot about Grievous, and, and Grievous has now become one of my favorites in the Star Wars universe, but just on episode three alone, wasn't that, wasn't that great. And and it really didn't make sense to, to add like three or four new characters. I think Dio was clearly a ploy to make toys, obviously. Like BB-8 was as well. And so were Porgs, but Porgs didn't really do anything in the story. Um, and BB-8 is, is very critical to the story. And I think Dio just really didn't have any relevance to this story. Um, Janna and uh, was it Zori? I thought, I thought on their own, their characters were good. They were fine. Um, acted very well by Carrie Russell and Naomi Aki. They were fine. But if they had been in episode 7 and 8, um, especially the whole storyline about how uh, Janna was a, was a stormtrooper, that was interesting. I thought, you know, I thought that was interesting. It just came out of nowhere. And speaking of things that came out of nowhere, let's talk about Finn. J.J. Um, Abrams has said that he was going to tell Ray he was Force-sensitive, and I don't understand that. Some people are, you know, really enjoying that kind of kind of plot point, and, and I just, I personally don't get it. I think his hints to force sensitivity, if it had a larger repercussion and a larger message about how everybody kind of has the force instilled in them, that's that's an interesting thing to think about. Um, but just kind of shoehorning little hints and nods of I'm actually force sensitive when like the whole thing about episode seven was them pretending he was the Jedi through the trailers and then he wasn't. And he's just a normal guy. And I, I like that about him. And I don't know why they took that away. Regardless, we're probably not going to see these characters again, if ever, or just in a long time, you know. I just wish that they kind of wrapped up their stories and, and just sent it off nicely. Um, and speaking of, let's talk about Leia's death. Um, I have a little, I have some mixed feelings about this. I understand. So this one, you know, I have to give the caveat of they tried. They really, really tried their their hardest. Um, and while I thought the death was emotional in a certain sense of we're saying goodbye to this character, I thought her reason for dying was a little confusing of how she just distracted Kylo Ren for like a couple seconds and, and she passed away. And so, you know, that's nothing on the film. I just, they just couldn't do anything. I was a little disappointed. Um, couple, couple more things before I get on to one final positive. Um, let's talk about Kylo Ren and his return to Ben Solo. Uh, I think I'm one of the people who think I well. So there are some people who are saying some reviewers and some some friends that I had saying he cannot be redeemed, Kylo Ren after he killed Han Solo, and I I thought, you know, Darth Vader's done worse. And I know there are there are arguments, and I I could we could go into that for for a while about you know why Darth Vader is different than than Ben Solo, and I understand that. Um. I just, I think they, you know, Adam Driver is a brilliant actor, and that scene with Han Solo, by the way, that was wonderful, but um, he he sold it in his acting, really the transformation back to Ben Solo. I, again, think it was too much to shoehorn it into one film. I wish they spread it out over the past couple, because the last film was all about him saying, I'm done with the, with the light side, let's do it, I'm the supreme leader. And then all of a sudden you have Palpatine, which, as I alluded to earlier, I, I did not like him in this film. He was just kind of there to laugh and and say, you know, I'm in charge now. Oh, I'm dead again. Like, that just, that felt really lame to me. Um, So yeah, Kylo Ren's turned back to the light side. I thought it was fine. You know, if they were going to do it, there are probably better ways to do it. 
again, J.J. Abrams was handcuffed, and he made that decision. And for the record, um, after all the kind of safe choices he made on The Force Awakens, it was one of the more firm decisions that he's made in this trilogy, and I, I appreciate that. I think he went for something, and it may not have landed as well as he wanted to, but that's, you know, that's okay. Um, one last thing that I want to mention that I didn't like, and I, I'm sure we can get into all sorts of other things, like Ewoks showing off for a couple seconds. Was that necessary? No, but it's it's what it is. Uh, let's talk about the kiss. That was, I think, by far the most facepalm, cringeworthy moments of the entire film, of the entire saga, and perhaps of even the last nine films. They should not have done that. I don't know what was motivating them to do that, but that really cemented to me that they didn't understand what they were making. They didn't understand that they were making Star Wars instead of fan films, because that is something that it comes in like a, like a fan fiction, like a fan film, where the, all the Raylo shippers are, are you know cheering, and, and I just thought, narratively speaking, it doesn't make sense. Um, but all that to say, well, so uh, I want to end with, with one of my favorite scenes, and I think this scene really, really encapsulates what I like about this trilogy, and that's really the characters, and I think I think the themes are still mostly there, and, and the music, of course. John Williams is brilliant, and so that scene that I'm talking about is Luke lifting the X-Wing. I think some people may say that's just nostalgia, nostalgia, whatever, whatever. I think nostalgia purposed to serve the story is really, really, really important, and I think... In this scene, it's not just like them saying, oh, look, it's a battle droid head or whatever, you know, like, oh, you remember that. This is Luke kind of saying, I've come full circle. I was that Jedi Knight who defeated the Emperor and and redeemed my father. And then I went into exile and now I'm back and I'm here to guide you through the next step. And I thought that scene paired with the same music from episode five, I got palpable chills in that scene. Um, and again, it's totally fine. So, so you know, to preface all this to say if you don't agree with what I'm saying, and, and that's fine. I, I understand completely why a lot of people may not have liked that scene or liked this movie. That's totally okay. I'm just, from my perspective, that scene encapsulates, A, you know, the handing off of the torch that I really, really wanted this whole time um, from, from a veteran character like Luke that I, you know, we all love to Rey, who, who was a really strong new character. Um, and by the way, those people who are saying that when he caught the lightsaber, he said that's no way to treat a lightsaber, I don't think that's disrespect to Ryan Johnson. I don't. I think that's really a nod to him, kind of saying, I understand where you were taking this character, let's complete his arc. He w- he went at the beginning of the movie from like someone who, who didn't want to come back, and now he's somebody who who's understanding where he is in the Force. Um, and, and I thought that was great. And I think him lifting the X-Wing is kind of the symbolic, like, rising, like, let's go, it's time. I thought that was really, really great. Um, side note, though, I, I heard Hayden Christensen's voice at the end with all the Force Ghosts and the voices. I just, I wish Hayden Christensen was there. Um, kind of grandfather against grandfather kind of a thing. But that's just a, you know, a little nitpick. I, I can wish all I want. So again, The Rise of Skywalker, it was... To me, it was a good film. Maybe not a good film. It was an entertaining film. It had a lot of flaws, for sure, that you know I've gone in depth on. But I think that 
for what it's worth, J.J. Abrams in this film alone did everything he could. And it was just on the studio who didn't plan out this trilogy and that didn't give it that conclusive kind of bow on top. They tried so hard to do it and I think they just fell short. Um, and so those are my those are my thoughts on The Rise of Skywalker. Um, and I would encourage if you're a Star Wars fan and you're still here, you know, spoilers after spoilers, you would go see it and um, form your own opinions about it. So now that episode nine is here and it's gone and, you know, it'll make its theatrical run, uh, I wanted to kind of close out this first episode by talking about where I think the future of Star Wars is heading. And it's a really interesting time for Star Wars fans because all of a sudden, rather than being reinserted into that passion, that frenzy of Star Wars is back, Star Wars is here, um, Star Wars is here to stay, we're kind of back in that same place um, that we were after episode three. Kind of, that wasn't good, now what do we do? Except this time, you know, Disney is... is um, Disney is determined to continue this franchise and to see where it goes. Um, but by Bob Iger, excuse me, has said that there won't be Star Wars films for a while. And to that I say, that's a good thing. Um, I think it's very clear that Bob Iger and Kathleen Kennedy have learned their lesson. They've made five films. Um, Star Wars The Force Awakens was universally, I think, pretty, pretty well liked. Um, Rogue One, I think Rogue One is super great. I, I think Rogue One is either my favorite or the second favorite, um, film in the new Disney film, D Disney era of Star Wars. Uh, Last Jedi was super divisive. Um, Solo wasn't, wasn't well received that well. The box office shows that. I personally didn't like it. It's my least favorite. And The Last Jedi, oh, excuse me, the, the Rise of Skywalker is divisive again. And so we're in this really weird place now where Star Wars is actually trending downwards. Um, there are a lot of things to make you excited, and there are a lot of things to make you worry as a Star Wars fan. A couple of things that, that are exciting. Disney Plus. I think Disney Plus is going to be huge for Star Wars. More than Marvel, because Marvel, you know Marvel is taking full advantage of Disney Plus right now with their like six or seven shows that they have slated. It's going to be crazy. I think eight shows, actually. Um, it's gonna be crazy. Um, and so they're taking full advantage of Disney Plus. And I think I think Star Wars didn't really know what it had with the Mandalorian. Um, but with season one, and you know, maybe we'll do a, an episode or a segment on that in another episode. But I I mean, just quick thoughts. I thought the Mandalorian was great. I think the Mandalorian is maybe not the best. I think I, I personally really like The Last Jedi. Um, and Rogue One, but I think The Mandalorian is up there. It's one of the best things that Disney has done with Star Wars. Jon Favreau had it. He clearly has it. Um, things like Clone Wars Season 7, I'm I'm personally super excited for that, but it, you know, it doesn't really appeal to the, the franchise moving forward. It's more of a nostalgic kind of a thing of we're bringing back Clone Wars. I think Clone Wars is really a good vessel for filling in lore and filling in backstories, and, um, you know, we might do an entire episode about auxiliary Star Wars things like The Mandalorian and like Clone Wars because, you know, we don't have room in this episode to do that. But, you know, regardless, there are a lot of lot of interesting opportunities on Disney+. Plus. Um, 
in regards to this being the last Star Wars film in the Skywalker saga, there is something in me that doesn't buy that. Um, you know, and, and who's to say in 30 years, again, after this new cast is now old, right, that they won't bring them back for another 10, 11, 12. Maybe not, they won't, maybe, you know, they'll work around it and maybe say this isn't actually the Skywalker saga anymore, but this is still part of that same streamlined story. Maybe. I, I'd be cool with that, um, personally, because I, I ultimately, at the end of the day, I feel unfulfilled by this trilogy. I love these characters, for the most part, and I want to see them in good, really, Star Wars, you know, Star Wars-y films. And so, I would, I would, you know, contrary to the, to the popular opinion right now, I would actually be okay with a, an episode 10. Maybe not now, not now. Like, I think at least you need 10 years um, for this to kind of die down and for fans to kind of get excited again. Because if you announce an episode 10 within the next five years, fans are just going to be skeptical. Um, so you just need to wait. And I think I think it'd be okay if Daisy Ridley and John Boyega and Oscar Isaac came back. I think it really would be. Another idea that I had kind of tossed around in my mind was the idea of, how about you start a new trilogy? I think... Just to say we're just gonna do spin-off things and like spin-off whatever's is it's it's an interesting idea, but eventually you wanna get back to the main storyline, quote unquote the main storyline. Like if you do a Knights of the Old Republic, or as the rumors say, like a High Republic series, it's gonna be interesting, but it's it's not gonna get everybody back in. It's not gonna make Disney those billions of dollars that they want. I would propose maybe a new saga like another nine films about maybe different things like way in the future, maybe where Rey is now a legend for doing, you know, for, for building up a Jedi order or whatever, a Skywalker order. Um, that might be an interesting avenue to explore as well. I think that there is something to be said about these episodic films being what these people love, because again, um, while Rogue One made a billion dollars and good for it, it was, it's on its own merits of being a great story. It was still firmly within the Skywalker saga. You had Darth Vader, um, you had the Death Star, and I think Solo didn't, Solo is kind of the first example of, of fans saying, we're not as interested in these auxiliary stories as we are with the episodes. Because Rise of Skywalker is going to hit a billion dollars, you know, for every, and, and it's a very divisive film. Last Jedi went hit like 1.3 or 1.45, I don't remember. And it was a very divisive film amongst the fans. Um, obviously, The Force Awakens was pretty unanimously loved, and it made over $2 billion. So they're going to come back to these trilogy films. How they do that, or what they do, I don't know. I would So I would be extremely excited for an Old Republic series, um, even a trilogy. Um, but I, I need some time, personally, and I think a lot of Star Wars fans need some time to kind of cool off after this whole Star Wars craze. Um, but eventually, I think they'll be back. Whether it's within the Skywalker saga or not, they will be back for more mainstream, mainline episode, episodic films. Kind of like how, you know, Marvel just finished the Infinity Saga, and now they're going to move on to Phase 4 and Phase 5, and I'm sure they're going to call it some other saga, like, story or whatever. I think Star Wars would really benefit, and, you know... With all the endgame comparisons, they do work for the same company, so there is that. Um, and I think they would really benefit from that. Again, the future right now for Star Wars is very uncertain, but it's also very open-ended. And I think that's an exciting thing 
for all of us who really want this franchise to succeed and who really want to see good content from Disney. So yeah, those are my quick thoughts. Quick thoughts. Uh, well, those are my long-winded thoughts about um, Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker and where I think Star Wars is right now. Um, and I think that's about it for the first episode. Um, I really appreciate if you stuck around to listen to the whole thing. Um, hopefully this will be the first of many episodes. I really enjoy just talking about um, movies and things that I enjoy um, in the world of movies and, and kind of expressing my own thoughts. And again, I want to make it clear, um, art is subjective. You know, there are a lot of things in this world that I would argue are not, but I think art is one of the beautiful things where we are all allowed to have our own say on what we think and how it makes us feel. And so I would just encourage that if you don't agree with my opinions and if you don't agree with other people's opinions about these movies and about this franchise, that you would just take time to listen to their opinions, and if you disagree, you can tell them, um, you can tell me, but at the end of the day, you know, we all feel differently, and I think that's a good thing. So again, thank you for watching, uh, for watching, thank you for listening uh, to the first episode, and uh, hopefully there will be more episodes for you to listen to. For now, that's about it, and again, thanks for listening.